Have you ever been part of a meeting where person who was talking about a specific problem started with the words, if only. If only such and such team could get their act together. If only the database was organized in the right way. If only these two fields could be get merged. If only this calculation would work like we expected. If only we could get more support from the management of this company, etc. This phrase, if only, can sneak its way into conversations without us even noticing, and it can hinder the way that we think about specific problems. Hey, this is Caleb, and you're listening to the Healthcare Analytics Podcast with me, Caleb Loya, and my teammate, Tatsuya Murao. The phrase, if only, can also be translated into language like, why don't you just X, Y, Z? And what it means is that essentially things are out of your control. And so you're relegating responsibility to some other thing or some other factor. And so when you're in a meeting and you hear some form of the phrase, if only, that means that responsibility is being shifted from one place to the other, rightly or wrongly, that's what's going on. And so what I want to do is I want to explain how and why that happens. And it's not necessarily the fault of anybody necessarily, but what it can mean is that it can hinder the dynamic of a team of an organization and the way each of us manage and lead the lives that we live. So this word, if only, can find itself in many, many different ways. But what it is, is it's a type of phrase that relegates responsibility from one place to the other. And so it often comes to a place in a a corporate meeting where you have a big problem that needs to be solved. And there are people who are frustrated that it's not being solved in the right way. And so as everybody's sitting down, one person will say, well, if only we did this, or... Could you not just do this and this and make it easy for everybody? And what that person is maybe doing is he's maybe trying, he or she is maybe trying to problem solve a solution based on their experience. And that's probably very, very good. But on the other end of it, that person who is accepting or receiving that responsibility is not necessarily claiming it for themselves. And so in organizations and in teams, what can happen is that Responsibility can shift on a dime, meaning that you're in a meeting and there are a series of priorities. And through the conversation, the responsibility of a specific problem or report or project is shifted from one person to the other. And in that shift of responsibility, you have to be very, very careful when you are shifting responsibility, let's say from one team to the other, from one person to another. Um, from one organization to the other, because what it takes is it takes somebody giving up their responsibility willingly and with uh, with graciousness and the other person on the other end accepting responsibility and the circumstances that come with that responsibility. And as that responsibility shifts, what happens is that there are many unknowns with that shift in responsibility. There's knowledge that is implicit in those responsibilities that may not be passed down along with those responsibilities. So let me give you an example 
of one time when I experienced this shift in responsibility and had to backtrack a couple steps to understand what the responsibilities were, how they got redistributed, and if this was the most important way to move forward with a specific project. And so the example that I'm going to give starts earlier this year when Arcos Analytics, we began a series of projects where we wanted to improve the financial reporting that came from HR and specifically payroll, accounts receivable, etc. And so the initial scope of work began with taking what was already existing in, in Excel and the current systems and translating it into a data visualization tool in Power BI, which is Microsoft Power BI. And so in this process, we began and the scope of work was really simple, easy to understand. And we moved forward with the project based on the data that was in the database. We developed a report, we sent it off to be reviewed. And at that first review meeting, that's when I started to realize that the responsibilities are not as clear as we initially thought they were. And so as we delivered that report, we had a meeting with a handful of people on the client side. And the fundamental consensus was that the data is not accurate. This is not, the data isn't accurate. It's not what they expected. And so the reason why is because the report that we built in Power BI was not adequate. It wasn't, didn't give the metrics, et cetera. And so the more I dug into the specific inaccuracies that they were seeing, the more I realized that the inaccuracies were due to the database being structured the way it was, and more so the way that the data was feeding into the database was inadequate to develop the reports then that were needed for the executive team to make decisions and for payroll to know who is getting paid when, etc. And so it's kind of a serious thing because payroll needs to be accurate to the cent. If you're off by, let's say if you're off by two or 3%, that's not acceptable. And so we had to start from a place of explaining that the data is in this way. And so beyond just delivering a Power BI report, we had to explain where were we getting the numbers, how we are transforming them into the report that they needed. After that, then they understood that it wasn't on us at Arcos Analytics because it was their development team who developed the database and fed the data from their internal systems to the database. This began a series of conversations about the efficacy of the data and how to get the right data in the right place in order to report on the reports that needed to be developed. And this is very difficult to do, especially if you're an outside organization who is partnering with somebody to improve their data data processes or data tools, because nobody likes to be told, hey, this isn't right, or nobody likes to find out this is not correct, even though they put a lot of work into something. And so in that shift of responsibilities, we had to be very, very clear about where the responsibilities were and what needed to be done in order to fix the problems that were underlying the specific report that we were developing. But it's very, very easy to blame an outside team, right? It's very, very easy to say, oh, it's their fault because 
it doesn't mean that anybody's job is on the line. And so you can say, oh, well, this report is not right. And the reason why is because they didn't develop it correctly without understanding that there are, are sometimes many layers beneath the surface that need to be addressed. And those many layers need to be explained and articulated and documented in order for everybody to understand the process. And this was our main takeaway about the, pro the project, is that regardless of whose responsibility it was, what is the process that needs to be followed for payroll or for accounting? And who is responsible for what piece of the process? In that way, it was not a personal, oh, you did this, it's your fault. It's more like, if we want to follow this process, then who can take charge of specific pieces of the process in order to accomplish what we need to accomplish? And so what we're doing is instead of shifting responsibility and shifting blame, we're actually asking each individual person what part of the process they can take responsibility and ownership of. And in this way, something like a accounting tool or a reporting tool or any data tool can be maintained and improved once everybody has ownership of their specific piece and knows how to communicate their specific piece to other people within their organization that depend on their piece of work. And in this way, you can eliminate the phrase, if only, from your vocabulary and the vocabulary of those in your team or your organization by articulating that it's about a process and not so much about the individual. And by focusing on a process, that means that you're focusing on solutions. Because when you understand that processes can lead to success, then you can start to understand that individuals can play a part in the winning process. As I think about the winning process, it can look in like many different things, but I'll do my best to explain what I mean when I talk about the winning process. What I mean is that everybody on the team knows what their responsibilities are and thrives to do the best work that they can. That blame isn't shifted from one person to another without understanding the implications of that shift in responsibility. That the blame game is something that is not helpful for an organization to grow. And more so, the people who take more and more responsibility are the ones that get rewarded within an organization. This means that when somebody makes a decision or when somebody does something great, that they are rewarded because they took something on that was very, very difficult. There are many other ways to think about winning, but one of the ways that I like to think about winning is when it comes to cycling. I've had a lot of friends uh, in the running community and wherever else who loved watching cycling. And the reason why is because it's a team sport, but it's also a, an individual sport. And so you'd have a lead biker or you'd have a lead teammate and an entire team is built around that individual. But the thing is, is that that individual in, let's say, the Tour of France does not work the entire race. What he does is he relies on his teammates and drafts off of his teammates in order to succeed. And so for 60 to 70% of the race, 
the lead teammate, or let's say the lead biker, is usually in the, the back or in the middle of his pack. And what that means is that he can rest and use the energy of those who are in the front who are taking the brunt of the wind because it's all about aerodynamics in, in cycling. And so even though you have somebody who is very, very capable, you have an entire team dedicated to winning based on the capabilities of that leader as well as the capabilities of everybody within a team. And so if you think about it, you have a five-man racing team and it can get quite complicated, right? Because suppose you have somebody who's an all-star, right? Somebody who is out of this world, good, world-class. But if you don't have four or five people who are almost just as good as he is, then the other racers, other cyclists are really no good because what they have to do is they have to at least keep up and push the pace in order for the lead biker to feel comfortable and to be able to win the race and be at the front of the pack. So what you need is you need a really, really well-rounded team with one-star cyclist who can out-sprint or out-gun or out-run everybody else. And there are a lot of tactics that are in cycling that are not found in other places. And that's why I think cycling is really, really important because suppose you are a leader of a five-man development team or you're a leader who is in the middle or the top end of your organization. What that means is that you need individuals around you who are just as good or better at you are in certain things. And so if you have a team of five, then you need individuals who are skilled at specific things that cover for you. And you also need to be able to do things that your other teammates don't want to do or can't do. And in this way, it makes a well-rounded team, but you, wherever you are in the organization, add something to the team. And everybody agrees on those specific skills and those skill sets, and everybody takes responsibility for them. And so the winning process can look like many different things depending on those skill sets within the team. So for a cycling team, a winning process could be something like we have an all-star cyclist, and we're going to build a team that can get this all-star cyclist to the last sprint within each section of the Tour de France. It could also be something where, no, what we're going to do as a cycling team is we have a better pace. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start up front and all five of us are going to get up front in front of the peloton and just crush it. And then we'll hold on till the very, very end so that we can at least give our lead cyclist enough energy to sprint all the way at the front and be able to win most of the sections within the tour. There are so many ways to think about the winning process, but one of the important things is to define it in a way that doesn't shift blame, right? In a way that makes it so that everybody feels responsible for a winning team. I have been in teams where the first meeting or, or second, blame was being shifted from one place to the other to the other. And when I sit in those kind of meetings, I think, oh man, this is really dysfunctional because everybody thinks that they know what they should be doing or everybody thinks they know what other people should be doing. But maybe there are things that are falling through the cracks where responsibility is not well defined or is lacking in a few key areas. 
And when I hear the phrases, if only this could happen, or could you not do this, then what I think about is, is responsibility being handled the way that it should? Are people taking charge of the things that they are responsible for? If they are, then something like a phrase like, oh, if only this would happen, turns not from, oh, if only this would happen, then this could be successful. It turns into, oh, if only we could achieve this, this, and this in the future and achieve our goals. And so something like a phrase like, if only could be turned from, if only we got our act together, to if only we could do steps one, two, and three then we could achieve X result. And so you can always flip these phrases on their heads. And that's what I would like to explain is that when you flip it on its head, then you take it from a mentality of mediocrity to a winning mentality. And that's what can transform teams altogether. It takes a lot of work to transform teams from being mediocre and staying within their box to understanding that they can grow beyond their capabilities and achieve much more for their team and for themselves. As I close out this podcast, I would like to say that there are many ways that I have caught myself saying, if only. And what I've tried to do in the past couple weeks is take those phrases and flip them on their head and say, well, if this is a wish that I had and it's out of my control, then how can I bring it within my area of expertise? Or how can I ask for help in these areas that isn't shifting blame? And as I've been able to do that, I've been able to understand that for the most part, people want to help and people want to grow, especially in well-meaning places. And if they're in a well-meaning place, then if I ask, hey, if only I could learn this, then I would be able to help you achieve your goals. Or if only we could work together, then maybe we could do something that nobody ever thought about before. And as we look to succeed in the coming year, then one of the places that I would recommend starting is the conversation that we have with ourselves and with others in private. Because as we improve the ways that we think about these small things and small phrases, then those can spark a interest in expanding the ways that we think. One of the phrases that I have thought about for the past two weeks alongside of these thoughts are that one specific thought can change your life. And I know that's really trite and that can be very cliche, but I truly believe it. I truly believe that one thought can change the way that you think. One specific thought can give you an idea that leads you in the right direction. That one thought can help you and your team achieve excellence. But that one thought needs to be followed up with responsibility and action. And the thinking, planning, and doing is all part of what I am calling the winning process. And if you'd like to know more about us at Arcos Analytics and the processes that we have built for other organizations to win in their marketplace and make better decisions, Uh, then check us out at arcosanalytics.com. You can also find us at LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash arcosanalytics. You can also send me an email at caleb at arcosanalytics 
or you can email Todd at Todd, T-A-D, at Arcos Analytics. Thanks, and we will talk to you next time.